I'm talking on the remaining gifts, um, which uh, is, is an interesting topic. We've been going through the gifts of the Spirit. Um, Martin fantastically served us talking about baptism, filling in the Holy Spirit, and then we've talked about the gift of tongues, um, and it's brilliant to hear people breaking through in terms of that prophecy, and then I get the rest. Uh, Steve brilliantly gave me some advice, which I will just talk about. He said, Bob, whatever you do, don't do it as a list. So I promise today I won't have a list. Honouring him as I should do? Maybe. Anyway, yeah, no, honestly, honouring him as much as I can. Okay, um, I want to start off by a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, which fits in really nicely with where we've been going in terms of the worship. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the uh, amazing preachers of the last hundred years, um, he said this, Let us not stop at any benefit we may have had. Not even with the highest experiences we may have enjoyed. Let us seek to know more and more of the glory of God. This is what always leads to a true experience. We need to know the majesty of God. We need to know the sovereignty of God and feel a sense of awe and wonder. And that's true, isn't it? We don't want to so much focus on bits and pieces, on the gifts and what's this technically and how does that work in, that we're not looking at the awe and majesty of God, at his sovereignty. Because that's where it should all point, shouldn't it? We should come away not saying, oh, wasn't it amazing what was said at church today? We should go away saying, what an amazing God. I don't want to be anywhere else but in his presence. Isn't that true? Um, so, uh, let's just, uh, just rolling back a little bit. Uh, why are we talking about the gifts? What's important about them? Ephesians 4 verse 12 to 13 says this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So it's to equip us for building up the body of Christ building us up, that we may all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So as we look at this, we're looking at this to build us up, to encourage us, and we're looking at this to build up the body of Christ as we study those. Um, I'm going to pray now, and then I'm going to ask three people up to read some scripture. So uh, if this one can be ready here. Can it be ready here? You're brilliant. That one can be ready there, then uh, we will go. Lord Jesus, we just want to hand this morning to you. We pray you will inform our minds, you will bless our hearts. But more than that, Lord, that through these gifts that we look at them, we may know you more your sovereignty more, your majesty more, we will remain more and more in awe of you. And we pray that you will build us up, Lord Jesus. You will encourage us and bless us. Lord, we need your encouragement and your blessing. We just can't do it by ourselves, Lord. We need more and more of you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so uh, as we look at the remaining gifts, uh, there are three passages that we're going to look at today. 
so, we're going to start off with Romans 12. Bev, are you happy to come and read that one for me? Uh, start off with Romans 12, verses 6 to 8. The verse isn't going to come up on the screen, uh, but some information about it may do. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Thank you very much. So that's one of the passages where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And you can see there, I should there have a, a list of what comes out of that one, of the different gifts, sorry, a list, but not the list, uh, as you know. So that's the first one that comes out of that. We're going to find the remaining gifts. We're going to have to collect these together, aren't we? So thank you very much, Bev, uh, for reading that. Um, and... Uh, there's that one. Right, so the next one which we've been hearing about a bit is Romans 12 verses 1 to 11. Jane, are you happy to come up and read that for us? Thank you. Corinthians, yeah. Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, the same Lord. There are varieties of activity. But it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between gifts. Another various different uh, kinds of tongue, another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Brilliant, thank you, Jane. That's one we've been talking about, and there's lots, a whole list there of different gifts that come out of that passage. But actually, as you read on in Corinthians 12, there's another passage that talks about gifts. So I'm going to ask Mary if you can, to come up and to read that one. So this is Corinthians 12, verses 28 to 31. It's really good to hear scripture, isn't it? Because that's where we base everything we do and think on. Thank you, Mary. Appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helpings, administration, and various kinds of are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, who all work miracles, who all possess gifts of healing, who all speak with tongues, who all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gift, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Wonderful. Thank you, Mary. So there are three verses there, three passages in the Bible talking about the gifts. And they all talk about it in a different way, don't they? They all look at it from a slightly different perspective. And as I've been kind of praying and thinking about this, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit is this beautiful diamond. Beautiful diamond, with, which is beautifully cut in lots of different ways. And people are kind of seeing it from a slightly different perspective. 
and they're looking at it from different perspectives. But actually, all these gifts kind of interlink and link together. You'll hear a number of similar gifts coming up in the different passages, won't you? And then a different one. Does that mean somebody got it wrong when they wrote it down? No, it's just this kind of multiplicity. It's not, you know, um, I like things being logical myself. And if I wrote a list, it would be the list. Do you know what I mean? When I write a list of my to-do list for the day at work, it is the list, and that is the list I do. Inevitably, at work, things come in and change, don't they? But actually, these are almost that kind of um, colourful, they're that um, understanding from different perspectives at different times and different contexts. And as we look at them, we see this beautiful diamond of the different perspectives coming up of the gifts of the Spirit. And it helps us, as we read those, to be informed. So we shouldn't be worried, I don't think, that they're slightly different. In fact, we should be enriched by that. Having said that, I am now going to try and find the remaining gifts. Well, I could be just listing them, and that would be the end, and I would sit down, wouldn't I? Um, but to look at the, the remaining gifts, what I've tried to do is a little bit of work on this to bring it together. So, are we ready? This is my moment. Ta-da! Oh, that wasn't good enough. Ta-da! Okay, so what I've tried to do here in a little bit of a teacher way is just to bring these together to give some sort of thoughts and understanding to them. And I'm going to start from the last box. The last box here has a group of gifts that include service, they include giving, they include acts of mercy, and it includes helping. And these are, I've grouped them together as service activity gifts. They're really important. We've talked about them in a number of different ways. We may not talk about them in gifts of the Spirit. But we, in terms of building the church, are so important, aren't they? If we then move up from the bottom, we've got the, what I've called the leadership activity gifts. So you've got the group, group of gifts, which here, there's the apostle. So the, the, the designated role of an apostle, there's administration and there are leading. Those are the three. Those are things that happen in terms of leading a church. As we move up, we've got the word gift of tongues. So that comes from a word, isn't it? It's a spoken gift. And you can see there in two of those three, we've got tongues and interpretation. We've then got this idea of teaching, that actually teaching within a small group or teaching within a church. And there's the idea of encouraging as well. And that often happens with us on a Sunday, isn't it? There's certain people who are brilliant because they get up and they encourage us all. They get us going. I think we can recognize some of those in our midst, can't we, as we look through those. As we keep going up, we get to prophecy. And we can see there uh, a lot of the, the words and the ideas that Mick looked at when he talked about prophecy. Um, but I have put in there the idea of the word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Not everybody would. People will look at this in different ways. Fantastic. But I've grouped those together. Because what I needed to do was to be left with a list of the remaining gifts. So I then end up in the top box with what I call the faith gifts. In other words, gifts that require that extra element of faith. And within those, I've got from 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 to 10, I've got faith healing, miracles, distinguishing between spirits. And the second part of 1 Corinthians 12, we've got the miracles and the gifts of healing. So it gives us nice and neatly 
four things to look at. Are you with me? Was that ex as exciting as I said it would be? Oh, my word, how great is that? Absolutely fantastic. Okay, now, now I know what I'm talking about. I can make a start. So we're going to look at those four faith gifts. The gift of faith. We're going to look at the gift of healing. Briefly, perhaps. Gift of miracles. I know you're all smiling, uh, smiling as I do that. And also the gift of distinguishing between spirits. So those are the ones that we're going to look at to uh, roll out these uh, different gifts. As I talk about them, I'm going to try and give some biblical examples. I'm going to try and give some practical examples. But as you hear those, you'll say, Bob, have you actually got that in the right category? Because that could go in a different category. And you're right. Because if we see something absolutely amazing going on, we aren't saying, well, wait a minute, let me just see which category. Is, is this the gift of healing or is it a miracle? Because there are some that could be, and, and healing is miraculous, isn't it? And did you require faith for that? Oh, yes, you did. And so there's a, it, there's a huge link between the two. And I actually think looking at faith is really good to start with because it does glue all those gifts together. All of them require an element of faith. Standing up to give a prophetic word, walking from the back to the front here, requires a step of faith, doesn't it, those that have done it? Or an exhortation, or just standing up on a Sunday and preaching and teaching. You require that element of faith. So there's an element here, whereas I like to talk about the gift of faith first, because it draws it all together. Now, one of the difficulties talking about the gift of faith, you'll be thinking, well, what does it mean, the gift of faith? Don't we all have faith? We got saved, didn't we? Those that know Jesus, yeah? We had that element of saving faith. We had to have faith in Jesus to step into his kingdom when we got saved, as we call it, didn't we? When we made that first step into that was an element of faith. But is that the gift of faith? Well, no, because that would mean every Christian is somebody that walks daily in the gift of faith. So that's slightly different. But there's definitely a link there because faith is faith. We've then got the idea of that basic faith. That is so amazing for a Christian, isn't it? That we walk daily by faith. That those that know Jesus, we have something that others don't. Is that we can trust that we can have faith in God that he looks after us day by day. We can have that faith in him, and that makes such a difference. Faith is also comes up with the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? So I'm sure we'll hear about it next week from the young people. That's where we're going next in terms of the Holy Spirit. And we've got here a gift of the Spirit in terms of faith. So... Um, how has this been defined? And I, lo I love this description of the gift of faith. This comes from uh, this amazing book here. Um, David Pitch's Come Holy, uh, Come Holy Spirit, Learning to Minister in Power. Great book, I think came out in the 80s, something like that. Um, and uh, really goes through these uh, gifts one by one. And um, uh, David Pitch's says this, that the gift of faith is knowledge that God will intervene, so that the, fact, the knowledge that he'll intervene, and authority to see the intervention 
through the Holy Spirit. So it's about seeing through that intervention. So, and there's an element of authority with it. So it's, it's seeing what's going to happen. It is the authority to see it through and that completion. And I really like that. Actually, with all these gifts, there's that element of not just saying something, but seeing it through. Um, is there any, many examples in Scripture of this? The one I love is Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, Daniel 6, uh, verse 23 says, So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. So it was his faith, that gift of faith, if you like, that kept Daniel safe. It wasn't the fact that the lions weren't hungry or that they were interested in something else that night. It was the gift of faith there that kept him safe. Um, there's a, a practical example here, which I think you'll love. If you remember anything from what I've said today, I'm sure you'll remember this example. So this is, uh, again, from this book, and it's, uh, a, um, it's called A Dramatic Example of the Use of the Gift of Faith comes from Bud Sickler. What a great name, Bud Sickler. Uh, an Elim missionary in Tanzania. And he says, that An enraged lioness dashed out of the jungle, killing domestic animals, a woman and a child, and headed directly towards the congregation gathered to celebrate Easter. If there was a lion rushing towards us this morning, we would need extraordinary faith, wouldn't we, to do something about it? Do I, uh, are you with me with that one? We would need extraordinary. This isn't normal faith. This is extraordinary faith. Seeing the danger, a native pastor shouted to the crowd, do not be afraid. The God who saved Daniel from the lions is here. The risen Christ of Easter is here. He turned to the lioness and cried, you lion, I curse you in the name of Jesus Christ. That authority that I talked about. Taking the authority from the gift of faith. Then the most amazing thing happened. A bolt of lightning from the sky struck the lioness dead. Oh my word. That would be something you'd talk about for the rest of your life, wouldn't it? How amazing. But that really is a really good and it may be extreme example of that gift of faith. And I do think this gift of faith is key when we're looking at the other ones that I'm talking about, particularly talking about healing and miracles. That gift of faith is there. And as I said, it would, if you look at that, that beautiful um, diamond, looking at one side and the other, there's that link between the two. Okay, so we've looked briefly at the gift of faith, and I want to look at healing. It's something we've talked about a lot, so I'm going to move through quickly, but I think I just want to comment on the gift of healing a little bit. As I've thought about this, this probably is the gift that is least controversial when you talk about it. If I went to um, a particular church that wasn't using gifts on a Sunday morning and said, I'm now going to give a tongue, you could just see the wobble going through, wouldn't you? Ah, what's going to go on? But if you 
were saying at almost any church, let us pray for those who are ill. That would be acceptable. In fact, in the Anglican service, that's part of it, I think, every time, isn't it? Praying for those who are sick. So actually, it's perhaps the most acceptable gift. And if you're looking outside the church, as I'll talk about in a minute, it's perhaps the most acceptable gift to say to a friend, a relative, somebody who you work with, somebody you study with, if you're not feeling well, can I pray for you? Is often well received, isn't it? Not quite the same as you say in the staff room, can I pray in tongues over you? That would be a bit different. So there is an element, I think, here of an opportunity for the gospel going out beyond the church. Healing is obviously very clearly linked with faith. Matthew 9, verse 22 says this, Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. That was the woman who was bleeding. And instantly the woman was made well. Interesting phrase there, is it your faith? The woman's faith is the one that has made her well. And I think those who would receive that gift of healing, I, I do sometimes struggle because we're all called to pray for healing, aren't we? That's part of the biblical. But there are some people for whom they do that more often, are more comfortable with it. Maybe they see more success with it. I don't know. And how you define the two of those, I don't know. Maybe sometimes we have the gift of healing present at a particular time in a particular place. I think the model for healing is interesting. Many people will say about healing, you've got to do it like this. You start with A, B, C, D, E, and then somebody's healed. That will be a practical way. Um, but I just love looking at Jesus and the different ways that he went through. He had so, I mean, he spat on somebody's eyes. Interesting. I would like to pray for you for healing. Can I spit on your eye, please? Um, mud, making mud, wasn't that was one of them. And saying things, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Interesting way of, of talking that through. Rise, pick up your bed and go home. Not Lord, heal them, please. That, that was what was said. Rebuking a demon, touching an ear. So there's a whole different range of ways um, we can see this. And I think that's really important. The other thing I noticed about healing, and I'll, I'll give you an example of this uh, later, is that sometimes we will see somebody healed dramatically. And I think in our lives, almost everybody here said, I remember one or two. We've seen some in the church here, haven't we? Well, we've seen God break through in healing. But I notice that sometimes those people that have seen the most dramatic healing, they don't always go on with their walk with Jesus. And I don't understand it, but it is true. Sometimes when we pray for people who don't have faith to get healed, actually, God does break through in healing, but they don't then respond by becoming a Christian. In fact, they say, oh, brilliant, that was a great day. I'll get all my life, thank you. I don't understand that link, but it is true. One of, the, um, uh, one of those moments in my life where I really felt um, it, was, it was right to pray for somebody for healing 
and if I've used this example before, I apologise, but I was at university and there was a time when there was a, a move uh, of, of the Holy Spirit at the Christian Union, which was made up of people from lots of different um, churches and uh, they believed all sorts of different things about supernatural healing um, and so it caused all sorts of interesting time. But I was asked to pray for somebody. Somebody said, will you pray for them? And there was somebody that had glandular fever and had had it to such an extent it really restricted what they were doing. And they struggled and had struggled for a long time. Um, particularly getting very tired and regularly getting tired. And so I prayed for them. And I can still remember they just disappeared at the end. And what they were doing was they were running around the campus because they were so excited. They now had all their energy back. It was absolutely brilliant. But I was then, I found it interesting that they didn't then follow through with that, with their faith because of other challenges that came into their life. That wasn't enough because it's not always about that. If, if only we had that experience, it would make a difference. No, it's about following Jesus, isn't it? It's about honouring him with everything we do and we are blessed when he blesses us as well. Okay. Distinguishing between spirits. Probably the one that I would put away if I could do, but I think it's important to talk about this one. So we've looked through the gift of faith, the gift of healing just a little bit. We've touched on that, and I'm sure as a church we will uh, come back to that one because it's so important. Distinguishing between spirits. Um, Sam Storms in his great book about uh, spiritual gifts says this, that distinguishing between spirits is the ability to distinguish between the works of the Holy Spirit, the works of another spirit, demoniac, de demon spirits, and perhaps even the human spirit. I know that's quite interesting, isn't it? Now, looking at something and saying, do you know what, sometimes I recognize in, the, in that person something of God. I recognize that. Other times, I recognize that there's something not right here. This is uncomfortable. This is, if you like, there's an element of um, demon. There's some activity here that is just spiritually not right. It feels very dark. And then, well, you're sounding spiritual, but it just feels human. It just feels like your good idea, if you know what I mean. And I think that's, that's quite interesting as we look at this. Um, I think it's important to say this isn't the highest gift. Some people will say, oh, well, that's what's most important. But it's an absolutely crucial gift to what is of God and what isn't. And we need to know, don't we? We, we? we don't want to be a church built on good ideas or insidious ideas. We want to be a church built on God. Um, the best verse I found talking about this is actually John 4 verse 1. And interestingly, this isn't... Um, let me read it and then just talk about it. It says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. A couple of things I pick up from that. Firstly, it says it's talking to beloved, so it's talking to everybody. So actually, even though there might be a gift of distinguishing between spirits, it's part of all of us as Christians that we try and distinguish when we hear something. 
Is it of God? Isn't it of God? Is that from the Spirit of God? But also, it relates this to prophecy. And I think that's quite an interest. I've never linked those two. And I think there is a clear link here with weighing prophecy. We talk about weighing prophecy, don't we? We talk about that. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29 says, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. Because we want to hear from the Spirit of God, don't we? We don't want to hear from a good idea that somebody thinks I might put, thus saith the Lord, on the end. And so I do think here that that gift of distinguishing between spirits, there's an element here that helps us weigh prophecy. Yes, we should all do it, but there's a gift with that. Um, there's some, lots of examples in scripture I could go through. Let me just go through two, one in a kind of positive vein uh, and one in a more negative vein. Uh, the first one is John 1 verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. So Jesus saw him and could see the spirit within him that there was no deceit. A distinguishing between spirits. He just saw him at a distance. That isn't talking to somebody. That's just that, that uh, gift of the spirit. And a, an example maybe in a, a slightly more um, negative way, and I'll use this passage another time uh, when I'm uh, looking at the uh, next one of these. Acts 13, verse 8 to 10 said, But uh, Elimus, the magician, for that was the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, was, or who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, you are full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And that's what it, that, that, there's a real clear feeling there that there is something there that was making the straight paths of the Lord crooked and that somebody needed to distinguish that and at this stage call it out in that way. Now it's interesting right from the beginning he was called a magician and that would kind of raise all our things at the beginning if somebody's called a magician, wouldn't it? But that I think is a great example there of a time when Paul used that gift. So I hope that's been helpful. I hope that's helped um, linking it with uh, where, uh, the uh, distinguishing between spirits. Um, so we've looked at the gift of faith, gift of healing, distinguishing between spirits. The last one here I'm uh, going to look at is the gift of miracles. What a, uh, what a topic to finish on, the gift of miracles. Um, interesting, the word miracles used in the passages is the Greek word dunamis and dunamis is something that's used a lot of times in the new testament and it means power so it could be called the gift of power i really don't want to say this but i know if steve was up here he'd be comparing it to superhero powers wouldn't he he would definitely be doing that but there is an element here that this is a power gift but it's also a gift you can link with other ones because there, there is power in the miracle of healing. 
And I've used the two words interchangeably again, haven't I? But the nice thing about this gift is it can describe everything. And I I wonder whether it would be brilliant at some stage in whatever growth group or small group just to sit around and say, what are the amazing miracles you've seen in your life? Because these are not always regular occurrences, as I will talk through in a minute. But just to remind ourselves, because we forget so easily, don't we, the times when God has just done amazing things that we can't fit into any other categories. It's interesting when trying to describe this to give you a sentence for it, because you may say something like, it's when God breaks in in an amazing way and does something amazing. You might use that kind of phrase. And I think we've got to be careful with that. Because the phrase God breaks in implies a number of things. First of all, that God wasn't in to start with. And we know, as Christians, we have a deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of us. God is already within us and here. If he's not, there's no point in being here. We might as well go and have a cup of tea. Yeah, God is in us. And we've got to be careful sometimes in what we're doing. The other thing of God breaking in or breaking through those phrases, and I know I use them, I know we all do, is implying that God is somehow other than us and not with us. So he's somehow up there and we want him to come down here and that only happens in terms of miracles. Well, it doesn't. It happens in terms of salvation. He is, yes, he is other than us, but he is with us and in us and works through us and loves us and is close to us and we are close to him and we're in this wonderful relationship with him. We can't suddenly say we want him to break in because that implies he's not here to start with. We want more of him. We want to see more of his miracles. Amen. I suppose the other thing about breaking in is the implication that there's something that we're putting up. He's got something to break through. There's a wall between us. No, 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 no. That wall has been broken down, hasn't it? Yeah? Wall of sin and death, it's gone. Hallelujah. So let's just, I think, I think it's worth being careful with our descriptions of these because we can actually sometimes say things we just don't mean. Wayne Grudem, I thought I'd get him to give me a sentence about this. So great, again, uh, it's systematic theology. Wonderful thing to, to get to when you're struggling to get exactly the right words. He says this, A miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to himself. So these miracles point to him. There are some fantastic examples in Scripture, but they're usually things that we just see once in Scripture. Acts 5, verse 90 to 20, which is when the apostles were in prison, what happened? God opened prison doors. That is a miracle. That doesn't happen every day. Otherwise, we wouldn't have prisons, would we? We really wouldn't. The doors would always be open. But he, God broke in at that time in a miracle and opened the doors for the apostles. Acts 13, so this is following on from the previous example about, uh, I, can't, I don't know how to say his name, Elamas. Elamas. Um, uh, we have here that statement made in faith by Saul, yes, that you've made the paths crooked. 
What happened there was that for a time, he was then blinded. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. There, there are lots of other ones we can think, can't we? I'd, I thought I'd, I'd pick on another one that we don't see every day. 1 Kings 17, verse 1 to 6, it was about Elijah, and he was fed. What was he fed by? Ravens, bringing him meat and bread. Elijah, that's a miracle, isn't it? Being fed by meat and bread. Yeah, when I go out on a long walk, ravens don't feed me. I have to take it myself. That was a miraculous thing that happened. It would, as I said, it'd be really interesting just to go around at some stage and say, well, you know, what, what have you seen to encourage us all? I think there have been a number of times, a few times in my life, when I can say, I don't know how that happened, but that was a miracle. There are some people that seems to follow around a bit more. Maybe that's some people with a gift. Who knows? But I still remember, and I, um, uh, Andrew and I, in our early married life, we went to uh, China. We were testing a call to the Far East at the time. And uh, we got stuck in Beijing. What I mean by stuck is I meant that we were trying, we got there, we had a flight out of Hong Kong, and we couldn't get out of Beijing because everybody we talked to said, sorry, there are no flights, no trains, no nothing, for two weeks. Two weeks! Couldn't get out of the capital city. What are you going to do? We eventually heard from somebody from somebody that it is possible that you can get standby tickets on planes. So we went to the um, airport and just sat there. And we waited and we told the people what we wanted to do. And we just sat there waiting, thinking, really, is anything going to happen? And then this man turned up. Do you remember? He just, he turned up and he just took us through. He picked us up, said, come with me. He took us all the way from where we were to waiting to get on the plane. Nothing was checked. Nothing happened. Nobody looked at our passports. Nobody gave us anything. We then were sitting in just about to get onto the plane, and we turned around, and what happened? It wasn't there. Because we wanted to thank him. And we thought, what happened there? Was it an angel? Was it a miracle? I honestly have no idea, but I tell you, had at, I was, we were dancing in faith of God and for what he'd done to get us through. It was just amazing. And it's something that I will remember all my life. That amazing miracle. And I'm sure there are people here. The miracles that some of us here have had in terms of healing. The miracles of money. But God has blessed us when really there was nobody there doing that. It, it is Amazing. Well, I hope that having gone through those four, I haven't dismissed the long list because there are a lot of under ones on there that are really, really important. But I wanted to just talk about those four. So where do we uh, land today? I think we land in three different places. Number one, Scripture says desire spiritual gifts, doesn't it? Desire spiritual gifts. And we should do that. Regularly and consistently, we should desire his gifts. Number two, they should be used to build up the body of Christ. They should be used to build up the community. Their main aim is for the church and encouraging us. 
So if God is blessing you now, use that gift to build us all up because we need it. We really need it. We need your encouragement. We need to hear of the gifts of the Spirit. We need more and more to know that we aren't a nice club that talks and has friends, but that we are supernatural people who love and follow a supernatural God. And that we are distinctly different, not just in our character. And a final one, which I've alluded to a couple of times, is to use the gifts in the marketplace. There's a great phrase, uh, which I've put up on the slide, which says, the meeting place, i.e. here, is the learning place, where you learn and you make mistakes and you're with friends and we laugh and we move on, for the marketplace, where you work or where you study, for your friends and relatives who don't know Jesus. And this is where we learn for the marketplace. And I would encourage you, in the most sensible and suitable of ways, to use your gifts in the marketplace. That doesn't necessarily mean bursting into the staff room and praying loudly in tongues. I don't know how well that could go down. Obviously, if that's a gift that God is calling you to do, I'm not saying don't. But that's not what I'm saying. More what I would be saying today is to use those other gifts for what you do. You will know that within my work I have a lot of meetings. Some of them I know are not going to be easy meetings. So I will quite often pray beforehand and ask God to speak to me to help me to know how to approach a meeting. I might be meeting somebody who is in a real dire situation and I'll ask God to give me the words of consolation. I may be in a meeting I don't understand. And I ask God to help me to understand the spirit behind what I'm dealing with. There are so many different ways that we can use these gifts that we've talked about all the way through, not just here. Yes, healing is perhaps the most responsive gift. People respond best to that. And we should, maybe that's a challenge to one or two here today, to use that gift of healing, to offer healing to those that you work with, that you love dearly, that don't love Jesus. Anyway, I'm just going to pray quickly and then I will hand over to Pete. Lord Jesus, we love you. Our heart is to exalt Jesus. Our heart is to know more and more of your manifest wisdom. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bless us with gifts to serve you more fully, to build up the church, to encourage us all, and to reach the lost. Amen.